Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, where it's all about believing in and executing on different and innovative ways to strengthen both your leadership and communication skills to help increase your success and especially in today's disruptive business environment. One of the most effective ways of building stronger leadership and communication skills is by embracing the principles of improvisation. (laughs) Yes, that's right, improv. Your host, Peter Margaritas, is an improv virtuoso. He's also a certified speaking professional and a CPA, also known as the Accidental Accountant. Each episode of Change Your Mindset is designed to bring you different and innovative ideas, thoughts, and behavioral changes on a variety of differing topics, with the sole purpose of strengthening your critical soft skills. We may call them soft skills, but they are the hardest to master. And when we do, greater success and growth is the result. So jump in and start changing your mindset now. Let's start the show. Unscripted. Give and take using business improv to resolve disputes and negotiate deals, part two. Let's take our discussion of negotiation and expand on it with some unconventional techniques to help you achieve a win-win, not a win-lose while you're negotiating. The win-win approach in negotiating is a give-and-take conversation, and each party will have to give up something, hopefully something small, to get something, hopefully something meaningful, in return. Now, Some of you may be rolling your eyes and thinking, why will we take such an approach? Don't be a pushover. Go for the juggler and take everything. Going for the juggler is never a good idea if you negotiate with someone with whom you're trying to build build or maintain a relationship. Even the car salesman you think you may never see again, always respect the other person you're negotiating with. Odds are that whomever you are in negotiation with, there's a high probability that you'll have another conversation on a different topic in the future. You don't want to appear to be an adversary because this present moment will impact future moments and the relationship as a whole. You want to be viewed as a partner, especially if they approach the situation in the same manner. It's almost never good to be an aggressive jerk in a negotiation unless it's literally a life and death situation. In 99% of negotiations, when you take the gloves off and go for the knockout, you lose too. You just waste time and energy trying to get everything you want, and often you end up receiving nothing. Negotiation is not a fight. It's a collaboration. So how, you might wonder, can you approach a meeting such that you will not be perceived as the adversary, but instead be seen as a potential business partner? 
the approach of Russ Riddle, JD, a friend, a colleague, my attorney, and also a member of the National Speakers Association, is to start with a, wait for it, smile. What? Smile while you're negotiating? Yes, he says. If you start with that smile, it's disarming. They let their defenses down a little bit. And it opens up the heart, mind, and ears to hear what you got to say. They're not going to agree with on everything that comes out of your mouth, but it opens them up to at least hear it. And you know, a smile does things inside of us too. We get to feel better. And when we feel better, we're on our A game. There is a law of likability. And far too many people forget that when they go into a negotiation or go into a confrontation of any kind. They forget that the likability factor is in their arsenal. The only thing I would add is to make sure that your smile is genuine. That's the only way this works. No smirks or sarcasm or condensation. And if you're a woman, please don't think this advice doesn't apply to you because you have heard, perhaps, that when a woman leader smiles, it might make her appear vulnerable. I call bullshit on that. Women leaders, just like men who lead, benefit from the likability and approachability factor. Humanity matters regardless of your gender. So far, we've explored two non-conventional techniques for effective negotiation. Enter the experience with a give and take attitude and start with a genuine smile. Now let's examine another technique. Helping your negotiation counterpart to save face. Joshua Weiss in a 2020 Harvard Business Review article, suggests that it's important that we let the other person save face during negotiation. He explains, face can be thought of how people want to be perceived and connected to their identity and dignity. When it comes to negotiation, it's about both sides preserving their and their organization's reputation. This hits squarely upon one of the foundational principles of improv, respect trust, and support. Respecting someone and allowing them to save face is about looking at the people across the table from you and thinking about them as human beings, showing empathy and understanding. Allowing someone to save face does not in any way diminish you. Again, it's not about one party winning or other party losing. Demonstrating respect is not about being subordinate to another person, allowing yourself to be manipulated or letting them walk all over you. The point of purposely looking for ways to respect the other party and help them save face is to humanize the conversation and work as hard as you can toward a win-win situation. Weiss's instructive article describes an international business of tug of war. Two international executives, one Brazilian and the other French, have become embroiled in a high-stakes dispute over a company in which they both were involved. Both men were spending millions of dollars to try to beat the other in a tense and destructive negotiation, and neither would back down. Enter an advisor, William. After much digging and exploration, he found that each man also wanted freedom and respect beyond money and control. Each wanted to go back to his normal life of doing business and spending time with family and to come out of the fight with his head held high. William advised them both to focus on maximizing those metrics as their benchmark for success. When they did so, an agreement emerged where one man agreed to leave the company's board, given his counterpart the ability to run it as he saw fit. 
In return, he released the departing executive from a three-year non-compete clause, giving him the freedom to conduct other business and exchange his voting shares for non-voting shares so they could be sold in the public equity market. In the end, both men were able to stand in front of their fellow executives and employees, share what they had did, share that they had a deal, and wished each other well. Recognizing that freedom and respect were essential to each man, William was able to leverage the good intentions of the two negotiators, allowing empathy to play a role in solving the dispute. Because of a shared goal of freedom and respect, each party effectively part their egos and look for a viable solution. Parking one's ego is a challenging thing to do, and in this example, it proved to be very expensive at first, but it doesn't have to be. In thinking about this case study, I wonder what if they had brought William into the process much earlier. How much could they have saved, and how much sooner would they have achieved their ultimate goal of both having freedom and respect? Ask yourself, think back to the last negotiation. Think back to your last major negotiation. Perhaps it was a conversation with an employee who was up for promotion, but ultimately got frustrated and resigned, causing your company serious challenges relating to the talent loss and the cost to recruit a replacement. Or perhaps it was a contract negotiation with a big service provider or client, and the process encountered delays, required attorneys, and left you feeling like you get the short end of the stick. Now ask yourself, how much in actual currency did the suboptimal negotiation cost you and your organization? Hundreds or thousands of dollars? Tens of thousands of dollars? Hundreds of thousands of dollars? When we take time to reflect upon what it costs us to take the wrong mindset and the wrong strategy into a negotiation, when we're unwilling to practice a balanced give and take, and we don't even attempt empathy, when we stick to a script, and forget everything that we know about improv, and we are looking to a win at an expense of another person's loss, we can almost always see clearly, in hindsight, that the price we pay for poor negotiation skills is steep. Persuasion versus manipulation. In thinking about your own negotiations gone bad, or about the head-to-head -head battle outlined with Joshua Weiss's article mentioned above, we might find ourselves wondering, when we, they, try to manipulate one another or to get our, their desired outcomes? If so, would persuasion have been a better option? The answer lies in understanding the difference between manipulation and persuasion. My definition of persuasion is getting the other person to see the situation from your perspective or vantage point through the benefit lens, i.e., what are the benefits of what you are proposing? Manipulation, on the other hand, is just using someone for your gain and then cutting them loose, never really caring about the situation that might benefit or hurt them. Russ Riddle shared with me his take on the subject. Persuasion is about persuading someone to do something that's in their best interest. Yeah, it may give you a benefit as well, but it's not all about you. It's all about them. Manipulation, on the other hand, is to get them to do something because it's good for you. It might be in their worst interests, but you want them to do it because of you. I go so far to say is that we should never be attempting to persuade someone into something that's that at least partially in their benefit interest. But Peter, you might be wondering, sometimes we need to get people to do things they don't wanna to do, to get our grandson to eat his vegetables or to get the frontline employees to arrive on time at work. 
What would benefit them is eating cupcakes or getting to sleep in. Yeah, yeah, okay, I see your point. And when we look at it more closely, it becomes clear that good nutrition is the best interest of your grandson and on time starts and good workplace morale is the best interest of your employees. They might not see it this way at first. And it's your job to help them to understand the benefits by being persuasive. Help them understand the logical argument and even the appeal to their emotions. Your grandson's love and respect for you or your employee's sense of pride and being a team player. This is one of the places where improv is so powerful in business. In improv, we always think about the other person more than ourselves. What? Wait a minute. You heard me correctly. It's about them, not about us. This is precisely what a leader is supposed to do. Think about the people they lead and make decisions and choose their words in a way that conveys that it's for it's about all of them, employees, their customers, clients, and other stakeholders, and not about themselves. The leaders who might hold the most of the power in a negotiation or conversation. I believe the whole concept of them before me is lost when it comes to negotiating. And flipping the script back to that mindset could change everything for you. In the end, nice guys do finish first, contrary to popular belief. And that's because there's a difference between being persuasive and and being abrasive. Many leaders think they're persuasive when they're starting to talk louder, puffing out their chest or leaning in across the table to take up more space or look physically intimidating, talking over the other person or interrupt because they think that's going to win the day. And yet it's the exact opposite. Negotiation is not about brute force or physical strength, volume or rudeness. Nor is it about wearing down the opponent until they acquiesce. When emotion and ego into a negotiation process, then it becomes abrasive. And you guessed it, abrasive negotiations cost us more time and money and can result in emotional wounds and career-limiting outcomes as well. Improvised negotiations. I've said it before and I'll say it again. It comes to negotiations. Don't be scripted. I'm not saying to show up and wing it. That's a failure in the making. You should, as always, be prepared and even practice, but be ready to go off script entirely. If you chain yourself to a script or a negotiation, you're practically doomed to failure. If obsessively tied to a script, you won't fully be present, nor will you be listening to what everyone else is saying. When you prepare rather than memorize, you don't need a script. And you have created the adaptability to react to the other party's responses more freely and appropriately. Improvised negotiations require rapid learning, adapting, and influencing, according to Michael Wheeler's book, The Art of Negotiation, How to Improvise an Agreement in a Chaotic World. Learning, according to Wheeler, requires you to keep an open mind and be ready to change and adapt to the situation. Don't ask reality to conform to your blueprint, but transform your blueprint to adapt to reality. When negotiating, You are learning from your interactions with the person with whom you are negotiating. When the negotiation takes a turn, you must adapt to the conversation. For example, let's say you propose a potential solution to a business problem. The other party does not accept your proposal and offers a version of their own solution. A third option is created by taking the two prior proposals and incorporating them into some sort of hybrid approach that is better 
than either of the two initial ideas alone. But how do you get the other person to agree to building upon their idea with parts of your idea? You exercise your powers of influence and you acknowledge the value of their ideas through techniques like yes and. There are many ways to influence others. Wheeler describes influencing this way. You seek to influence those on the other side to convince them of the value that what you are offering. What they say in response and how they say it speaks to that particular point. But it's also feedback on how effectively you're engaging your counterpart. Maybe your style suits them. If not, you'll need to change your approach. In other words, you have to be present and listening and paying attention to the words, context, and body language of the other party. Cookie cutter strategies crumble in the turbulence of real world negotiation. When negotiation helps nurture relationships. Have you ever considered the art of negotiation to be a strategy in building sustainable relationships? I'll be honest, I never considered this strategy until it was brought to my attention in my podcast interview with Russ. As I thought about it, it made sense to me. Most negotiations are with people with whom I already have or want to create a relationship, except for those perceived one and done scenarios, like negotiating with car salespeople. And if I could go back 30 plus years, I would have looked at this process as an opportunity versus dread. Approaching this type of negotiating as a stereotype and therefore not wanting to have a long-term relationship with my salesperson was the wrong strategy. I should have an approach that negotiations are more thoughtful and fruitful ways. Because as it turns out, I've bought and sold several cars over the years, and I've always worked with a new salesperson each time, even with family members. Imagine how much easier it could have been to form a meaningful relationship with salespeople who I could call upon car after car after car after car. When it comes to negotiating to nurture a relationship, the key is to develop trust throughout the process on both sides, which takes time. What is the benefit? In buying future cars, you'll go see the person at the dealer, assuming you want to buy your next car from the same auto dealer, and they will already know your likes and dislikes. This should reduce the amount of time you spend at the dealership and improve your chances of getting the car that you want and need at a fair price and without much hassle or haggle. Your time is not wasted trying to reestablish a new relationship with a new salesperson. In life and in work, through, most negotiations are conducted between two parties who maintain a far more important and long-lasting relationship than one you might create or possibly maintain with your car salesperson. We negotiate with business partners and key vendors, with family and friends and significant others. And if we negotiate well with an eye towards establishing and nurturing, with an eye towards establishing and or nurturing relationships, not just winning a particular argument or getting what we want in a single negotiation, we set ourselves up for future success and harmony. Critical relationships in our careers and in our lives are those that we must constantly nurture. The first step towards solidifying the relationships that matter in making a decision to treat the conversations with respect, trust, and support. Is it time to view negotiating through a different lens? I think so. And thank you for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.